You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, guys. Special treat for you today, a podcast Matt and I have been looking forward to for a very long time. Uh, we got a dear friend of ours going back to 2010 when him and I first met, filming and hunting together, stayed in touch, um, joined forces in 2017 and started uh, some major habitat restoration and improving the landscape health, focused on that first and foremost with the whole intention uh, or with the big intention of being uh, white-tailed deer specifically, but focusing on the overall big picture planning um, 2017. And now it's been a, an absolute storm of mega giant bucks for Mr. Greg Glessinger. We're super excited to have him on and discuss his most recent harvest opening day in Iowa. You're not going to want to miss it. Before we jump in, though, we just want to thank one of our partners to make this podcast possible, First Light. 
you guys have uh, seen us on social media hunting last year, this year, uh, you notice that we wear first light. Awesome quality uh, gear, amazing comfort, and a company who is big into conservation. So all uh, things that are important to us. And it's one of the many reasons why we like wearing First Light. So check them out at FirstLight.com. All right, let's uh, let's kick it off. I know uh, this is this is a very exciting one. Man, um, man I yes. think the 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 thumbnail or the 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 podcast photo should should be enough to grab some attention. Grab some attention, and hopefully Come on in, fellas. You, you're coming <laughs> in to listen to this podcast. Um, man, long time long time friend. Um, shoot for 10 years now when we met uh if you want to go back and listen to some of our prior or our prior podcast with greg uh, a couple years ago that was right after extra innings yes yep that was right after the extra innings kill right after that fall so uh but mr greg glessinger greg thanks for coming on tonight hey man thanks for inviting me i always enjoy getting getting to talk with uh you two guys it's always a pleasure oh man well it's always fun when we can talk about a deer story and one that goes right and not wrong and uh, so especially when it's got a set of antlers that we're talking about today yeah absolutely well not just that one but many Many others in the past and so a brief rundown if you haven't listened to the other podcast um, Greg and I go back 2010 uh, we were I was filming Greg uh, part of the Dury I'm trying to remember what show was that for? What what show did those kills get used for? Those got all used for uh, Natural Born. There you go. So back yep. to 2010, and then we kind of revisited in 2017 when Matt and I had started Land and Legacy, and uh, man, what a what a four years it's been! A ride, uh, a massive ride to to watch your success, uh, and just man, just just know the work that's been put in, and just know of how amazing it is to see the the hero shots the success and the smiles on your guys' faces so for for the people that don't know yet if you if you have signed off of social media because i think anybody who's a deer hunter probably saw this deer <laughs> probably float through the web but tell us a little bit about you can jump into the, the the deer hunt first i know you've done some elk stuff we can circle back to that but um let's let's kick it off october 1st what's the scenario you know, we were we were uh, coming back from Colorado, New Mexico on a two and a half week uh, trip out west um, chasing elk. And <clears throat> when you're driving home for, I think it was 17 or 18 hours, you get to have a long discussion in case he was obviously riding shotgun. And I was like, you know, what's the weather looking like? And we pulled it up and I'm like, you know, that was like on the 20, 23rd. 23rd or 24th i'm losing track of time Mm -hmm. and he's like man he goes it's this cold front if it holds it's going to be amazing and i pulled it up i'm like oh my gosh this is this could be the you know uh uh, white tail guy's dream if this weather really stays and it's really predicted what they're saying you you just never get a a a cold front that's going to drop you know 20 to 25 degrees lower than typical temps on October 1st. It just is extremely rare. Yeah, and, and, and to time it with opening day, too. I mean, it's right. just crazy. Right, exactly. And so when we got home, uh, we obviously did the whole trail picks uh, and shuffled through all those. And our our target guy, a.k.a. Triple Play, 
was alive and well, and um, he was in a position that was going to be extremely difficult to hunt him. If if you were to drop a pin on our farm, uh, north, south, east, and west, and drop it dead middle, that's where he lived. Mm, so so and, basically, you're facing like a, a super aggressive play <laughs> right out of the gate. Right. It's it's like you know what we're going to have to do to go after this guy is basically throw a grenade to about 30 to 40% of our farm to get into where we want to get to, to get to him, to hunt him. And so we were discussing this, um, uh, on the way back. And, um, I'm like, you know what, you, you just don't get that up op- that many opportunities to have a deer of this mm-hmm. caliber on your farm, let alone go hunt them. And I said, you know, this may be we're going to break every single rule that we've ever done up to this point because um, we, we pretty much live by the rule of access is everything in and out. And we really don't break those rules at all. We haven't never have. And um, it's worked for us. Mm-hmm. And when I told Casey we're going to break that rule, he's like, well, you know, we're going to put a grenade on the rest of the farm on that, you know, 30 or 40 percent. I'm like, I know, but. There is no other answer unless you've got a helicopter. Yeah. And um, he's like, I get it, but we're, we're putting all of our chips in, in after one deer. And I said, well, that's what you have to do to kill a deer of this magnitude. So, you know, if that's our number one hit lister, which he was, I'm like, we might as well go all in on him. And if, if we don't get him, we don't get him. But if we don't try, we'll never have a chance. Calculate a risk. Right. Well, it's, it's, it's calculated, but somewhat foolish because mm-hmm. – um, where he lived, he, he, we had just done some TSI work based on your guys's recommendation in this part of the farm and where he was betting, he had two choices. He could either go basically Northeast or basically Southwest. And he was bedded between two plots. And I would call it 75 to 85% of the time he was going Northeast and not Southwest. So, if unfortunately, if he was going more southwest, our access was bulletproof in and out, no problem, all that stuff. But he was going northeast, which then put him smack dab in the middle of the farm. So um, we devised the plan, which was uh, right when we got back, <clears throat> head to Iowa. And uh, we were lucky enough two years ago, two summers ago, to devise a plan to put a muddy uh, box blind on a trailer purely for a what if scenario mm-hmm. what if we have to move something late we got to make adjustments we need to be flexible and it was one of those things that you never know when you're going to need it and i looked at him and i go now's the time to use the trailer he goes yeah it's a perfect idea and so um with the, with the beans still on um the field they hadn't been harvested yet i was really concerned about knocking over all the beans in the field and ruin it because we had a long ways to go through a, a bean field to get where we needed to be. And is like Casey and I came the came the idea of well, what if we just lift up the whole trailer with the tractor on the forks and hauled it down there? Oh, there you go. And I'm like, heck yeah, because they're <laughs> they're 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 used to to tractors. You know, right. they're not really um, they don't really spook or any of that. And so we put a a three-point uh, mower on the back of the tractor, and I'll get to that in a second. And then we lifted up the whole trailer and drove the tractor right down to this spot. 
and then set the set the blind up and um then when we were down there uh we mowed two trails one trail uh that came out of his bedding area headed on the uh west side of the bean field and we kind of created a y lack of a better term and then as he comes off the y it goes through the south end of the bean field and then heads back to the east side of the bean field that then takes him back north and on that particular path it would take him by the blind plus or minus 23 yards gotcha so um we did that all in one in one in one move one in Um, one out very that's right and what were you mowing when you bush hogged were you mowing part of the beans or part of a overgrown field or what were you Uh, mowing? basically basically it was a transition of uh warm season grasses and basically just grass okay that was on the back side of the bean field and then we we hugged the bean field itself and created an edge no, knowing this um, area is kind of a yeah. wet area, yep. so I'm guessing there's a lot of sedges and yes. a lot of like yes. just a marshy plants. Probably a lot of cockleburrs yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very much so. Um, and so then we mowed it all the way to obviously the beans, um, and um, and then uh, we left the tractor running. We had to put some jacks on the trailer to get it level, and left the tractor running to cover our our noise and our scent. And then uh, got that out and then, you know, exited left. And um, and, and how uh, many days was that prior to you guys going in opening? Uh, I think it was five days or four days. Okay. Losing track of time. I think it was five. Five gotcha. days prior prior to October so 1st. plenty of time for those patterns to soak and get used to it and not be, you know, whoa, what is this kind of thing. But... Well, you know, we, we talked about that, you know, Casey and I was like, you know, are we, are we basically becoming our worst enemy? Mm. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't argue that question, but one thing I can argue is if we don't do this, we're never going to know. That's right. Yeah. Because we, we, there was no tree, there was no place to hang. <laughs> we, we, it was a blind or, or we don't hunt. Bust, there was yeah. no place to, to, uh, we, we could have put up a pop-up. Uh, that is true, mm-hmm. but the grass is so tall, and we would have had to mow so much. Yeah. I, I I didn't want to take that risk. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we went with that plan and got out of there. And obviously, the cold front of all cold fronts happened to hit on October first, and so we uh, uh, devised a plan to uh, go completely from another side of the farm uh drive our our electric uh buggy through a bean field park it a long ways away and then walk across the bean field to then hit a creek then take the creek down the creek um and we had to go down a a bank that was probably roughly um i'm estimating nine to eleven feet tall Mm. rappel Um, down repel down walk a creek and then where we put the blind was at a at a draw that a draw led into the creek so when we got to this draw we walk up this draw and literally we came out of some tall grass and then boom we're right there so once we got through the creek or to the creek and then through the draw our our access was bulletproof i mean it was perfect that's um 
But the downside of it is when we got settled in, I looked at Casey and I said, you know, our exit out of here to get walk through these huge bean fields, we're going to throw a grenade on every single deer that's out there when we leave tonight. Yeah. You um, were pretty much all in. It was all point. in. We, yeah. yeah, we were committed. And I said, we're going to able to do this twice, maybe three times with the right win. And then we're just really going to, you know, upset the whole farm for the rest Cougar of the, for the next. Things. Yeah. We're going to push a lot of stuff off. What so, was the win that night? That was Northwest. Yep. Um, it was like, I don't know, seven or eight miles an hour. Um, so, it, so it would have basically gone right behind you kind of into that creek. It was. And, and I mean, you, you didn't from an, from a, let's say a distance standpoint, it sounds like you guys had to cover quite a bit of ground. Um, but, but from a access standpoint, a wind standpoint, it really still was pretty minimal. You didn't have to like put your feet in an area where you thought these deer were going to be, um, you know, walking past, there was no ground scent kind of thing. It, it was very planned out, executed well, and you used the lay of the land to your advantage to minimize, although you had to go in a long ways, but to really minimize that intrusion. On, on that particular deer, if you say yes, on right. every other deer on 30% of the farm, <laughs> absolutely not. We Correct. basically you know, put a bomb on the farm. Right. Uh, um, but yes, we, we, we had some really good Intel from the reconnaissance cameras that, you know, based on our, our information, this is plus or minus where he was betting and, uh, to, uh, basically hunt him Our it was a, as close to a bulletproof access as we could come mm-hmm. up with, yeah. with him in mind. I love those right. creek uh, accesses. Oh, man, it's good. Yeah. I mean, and, high banks you know the 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 thermals are dropping and the winds are are taking us down the creek so any deer is going to be anywhere from nine to 11 feet above us even if they're on the creek banks um so it was uh well we didn't feel we we spooked anything of any uh importance going in it was it was pretty exciting when we because we we didn't do a dry run on this we couldn't we just looked at hunt on x and agreed on how we're going to go and once we left the truck we just didn't talk and just kept going until we got to the blind um so that That was kind of a new operation yeah a completely new adventure in in that aspect and we got settled in and um heck movement started really early i think we we left i think we got settled in about uh 315 plus or minus maybe 330 325 something like that and by like four four fifteen or so, we saw a nice uh, three or four year old that was up the bean field quite a ways, probably three three hundred fifty yards away. Right. Um. And then some uh, some does started feeding out uh, roughly about five fifteen, and then um, we had some uh, smaller uh, bucks come out, and then we had a really nice two two mature uh bachelor groups come out uh that have been running together all summer long that triple play had been running with him uh most of the summer so when we saw those two come out i'm like casey actually saw it first he goes there's the two he should be next and he didn't show up oh man um and i'm like and that was at uh plus or minus six o'clock yeah and the great thing was uh the bean field that we were overlooking the far north of it was already turned brown 
the part that was closest to us was in that yellow green not quite brown yet Mm -hmm. and so all the deer were staying on our side down on our end Mm. Um, perfect timing from a from a maturing standpoint of those beans purely 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 luck i mean there nothing more than that can be said it's one of those things that's exactly you know when we hunt some one of the farms my brother hunts a lot more than we do that's got alfalfa and it's part of production it's like they're going to cut it any day these like if if he's on this pattern right now we have to attack him because tomorrow the hay field could get cut yes and you guys are like tomorrow they could decide those beans are just slightly too yellow to continue using them yep yep and so um there was some decent uh two really nice mature bucks already out there and a bunch of two and three year olds and several does out there milling around doing their thing and um at six twenty two six twenty one something like that um i looked up and casey and i both saw him at the same time uh coming out of the wood line and i said i think it's him and he got the camera up and obviously casey's running a camera with 20 optical zoom and he got on him within you know three or four seconds and he's like no doubt it's him and mm-hmm. he came to the fork in the y and he and he basically hesitated for for a nanosecond and he looked down one path and looked down the y and i think the key to this whole whole situation is having all those mature bucks out there the two three-year-olds and the five and six-year-olds and then all those those that are out there just milling around feeding he chose to come down the mode path that was going to take us by the muddy purely because it was a northwest wind. Right. That northwest closer. wind, he wanted to have a downwind side of all those uh, bucks and does that were out there feeding. He mm. could have went on the west side of the plot. He chose not to because that would not be the downwind side. Right. And so do I know this for certain? No, I don't. But watching deer as much as I have and, and mature bucks as much as I have, they always seem to pick that downwind side. Yeah, for sure. And um, he took that downwind side, and we had a scrape set up at 23, I think it's 23.6 or 24 yards away, and that path was going to take him to that scrape. And well, I, at, I don't want to stop you. But at the same time, yeah, I kind of want to say, once you actually laid eyes on him, like trail camera pictures are, are one thing, and you can you can tell you know a lot about a deer from a trail camera picture, but it's always a little bit different when you actually see that animal in person. So, like, I know you talk a lot about, like, the mental game and, and really feel that's super important from bow hunting standpoint and success and executing a shot, but, like, kind of go back just a touch and, and walk us through your mental side of things of seeing that deer saying, oh, my, there he is, and then, then him coming to – you know, 20 some odd yards walking this path. And you know, after that, why I'm like, this is going to happen. You know, like what, what, what's kind of that thought process there though? Well, what, once, once he crests the, the, the tree line, which is, I'm going to estimate it about 125 to 130, 140 yards, mm-hmm. no, no less than 120, no more than 140 yards away. Um, once I saw him, I said, 
I, something like, I believe it's him with a little bit of doubt because he's so far away. And I didn't, I just saw him with my eyes. Um, because, you know, when you see a, a, a big buck right in the timber, the timber and the brush behind him makes it more difficult to identify him. Um, and then Casey got the camera up within a, I don't know, a second of me saying this. And he goes, it's no doubt. It's a hundred percent him. And the minute he said that, I completely never looked at him again. Yeah. I started uh, focusing on what I needed to do and mentally preparing myself for what I thought was about to happen. And I would just watch him out of the corner of my eye um, and never really looked at him again from a deer or antler size. Certainly. I didn't even, when, when I saw him at 120 or 130, he looked massively huge and I knew without a doubt I didn't need to see it again. Yeah. So, right. Then, then it's then like K- the play yeah. kind of play ahead of time. What, what, what you think is going to happen prepare. Right. A hundred percent. And you know, I, this goes back to, you know, 2000, uh, uh, 2017 when I killed major league, when I fall, saw him for my very first time at 200 and steer, he mentally dominated me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he controlled me physically and mentally. And since then, I've changed my mental game on these big, mature bucks. And yeah. I try not to let them get into my head, which then controls what your mind thinks and how you, what, how you want to approach everything. So yeah. I don't believe I David just, stared down Goliath the whole way out onto no. that battlefield. He's no. like, oh, no, I got to have faith. Elsewhere. God, lead me out here. <laughs> because right. if I Be stare with, at the giant, I'm going to get a little intimidated. Stone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's a minute 42 or a minute 44 it took him to walk from the edge of the timber to when I shot him. Oh, wow. And that minute 44 seemed like an eternity. <laughs> it, you, I, I mean, there there is a point, um, and I don't, I don't know if you can hear it on the deer cast clip, but in the raw footage, you hear me swallow and you think I dropped a five-pound <laughs> weight in the barn. <laughs> um, because it is that heavy and that right. deep when I swallow. I believe it. Um, so, like, everything else was composed, but then everyone hears that, that deep swallow. Like, I, I have to have a composure and I focus can, for everything. I can control but, the shaking. I yes. can control the, the sounds coming out of the blind, but I can't control this because <laughs> this is just too much weight in the back yeah, of my too throat. Too much weight. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and when it's so quiet in there, when you have a deep swallow, it sounds like a bass drum going <laughs> yes. on. You know? Yeah. Um, but so as he uh, continues to walk our way, um, obviously my focus is 100% on just trying to execute the shot. And the interesting part of this now looking back at the time, it, it never once even entered my mind. But uh, the amount of DMs I'm getting for not stopping him before I shot is mm. really quite, quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there, there's no right answer. There's no, no, there's really no wrong answer to this, but it comes back to what we personally experience. Right. And going back several years ago, I had a mature buck in front of me in a tree stand and I had, uh, did a soft grunt at him and he came out of his skin and ran 40, 50 yards and then stopped and looked back. And ever since that moment, I have never done that again. I like to shoot deer, doing their natural thing i really don't uh like to draw attention to myself through a grunt or anything unless it's absolutely unless you absolutely have to stop them um i prefer not unless that pace Um, is like 
too fast or the shot is too far. Yes. 23 yes. yards, that arrow zips there and gets there pretty pretty quick. Pretty, pretty quick. And so um, I had the bead on his shoulder, and I was tracking him just like you would mm-hmm. swing a barrel of a gun with a pheasant. And uh, I felt confident at 23 yards that um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't miss. And with all the practice I've done all summer long, my confidence was pretty high. And so I did not stop him because I was afraid that he may come out of his skin and run away. And actually on, on video, Casey says, stop him. And I, I just didn't, didn't want to do it for those reasons. Right. And people, people may, you know, agree or disagree. And that's, that's their opinion. Um, but, uh, fortunately enough for me, it worked out. And, um, it was a, a great shot. Was and, his head uh, up when he was walking, or was it down? Like it was. Oh, it was up. up. Yep. yep. Gotcha. Head up. Yep. And uh, hit him. Clean pass through, and he took off running, and uh, he made it to the timber, which is call it uh, 85, 95 yards away. Um, and then he went behind this massive bush, and I saw him. I thought I saw him wobble a little bit and then he made a hard left turn to really thick stuff that we couldn't see. Mm-hmm. So we did not see him go down at all. And then uh, we saw several bucks that were milling around come to where he went into the timber um, and they would stand there and they would look in there. And usually that's a good indication that something's sure. not right. Yeah. Um, they can visually usually, see at that point something's not yes, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And multiple deer did that several times. Mm. Um, but being conservative and, and, you know, regardless of inches, uh, we always try to do the right thing. And uh, we did not see him go down. And I always err on the proceed of caution. When I don't see an animal go, go down, even if we have it on film, um, unless I know it's an absolute smoke, um, we give him some time so we shot him at 6 25 p.m we didn't leave the blind until 8 30 and then we waited uh well past dark like yeah. 45 minutes so it was pitch black um because i didn't want to have any chance of if and when a deer were to come off the blind because it was so dark we couldn't see deer in the bean field right and I'm like, you know what? We're going to make some noise getting out of here. And if those deer flush and they happen to flush towards him, I want to give them two hours to hopefully pass. Yeah. So if they were spook and run his way, that it wouldn't get him off his bed. Yeah, it makes sense. I think that's that, it's smart of you guys to take that into consideration just because so many deer on the field. And oh, yeah. chances are a lot of them are going to run right back to the direction the he did. So, yeah, makes sense. Set in the blind, right. tell the stories that you and Casey have been filming together now for since when? Yeah, f- uh, this is the, yeah, this is our fifth fall. So yep. you've heard each other's stories multiple times by now. So it's like, hey, tell me that story that one time that you told <laughs> yeah. me last week, but tell it to me for the third time now as yeah. we sit well, here in we, the dark. <laughs> well, we, we, if we watched that, played that footage back, we played it back a hundred times. Oh, I bet, I bet. <laughs> So, and that's good though so, too. Casey's got a lot of tracking experience and can identify hit and angles and and know essentially what that broadhead action has done. And you know, with your experience and yeah. shooting deer too, you you can put yeah. together a great great a great game plan. Yes. So we we watched it. You know, we said it's either double long 
or it's one or it's it's liver long. It's it's mm-hmm. two options. It's it's a fatal hit. No ifs, ands, or buts. He's gonna die. It's just a question of how how mm-hmm. much time. And so you know the fact that we had a little bit of question whether it was liver or a lung. Uh, we're like you know what we're gonna sit here for two hours, wait till eight thirty, got out, and then obviously backtracked all the way back, and then we went back and watched the footage. And still had questions, and I'm like, you know what? If he's dead now, he'll be dead in five hours. Yeah. And I said, you know what? If we wait four to five hours, there's no doubt that he'll be, he'll be expired. And so, uh, we waited till 11:30, uh, which is, you know, five hours. Yep. And um, went in there, and literally, when he made that left turn from that big. Uh, uh, slash tree slash bush that I was telling you about when we lost him, he was maybe ten yards from that. Oh maybe. wow! Wow! And he was he was piled up. So I think he was dead within minutes. Yeah, for sure. Not not long. Probably um, especially with that deer behavior you, you guys observed too. Um, right. That that exactly. that's a good sign. Wow. So exactly. You've never said it, and we haven't said it yet. But so you shoot this deer. He's a giant deer. You find him. That night, how long did it take you, you know, celebratory or celebrations there? <laughs> you get back to the house. At what point do you get back to the house? Um, we, we, it was what, we got back to the truck. It must have been about 1230. I mean, we were, I was hooting and hollering in the woods and that's not my <laughs> style. But, um, when it, when I saw him, I yeah, I mean it's all on video, so I I kind of look corny, but I'm sorry about that. But when you put <laughs> so raw, much time man. and effort, it's raw. So yep. much time and energy and effort and thought process and mentally going through a strategy to try to you know thinking of where this deer was living, knowing that he's in the dead middle, that it's highly probable that we're gonna blow him up before we kill him. Yeah, and and to do it on opening day, first sit in and to execute it. Um, was really surprising and in awe of the whole thing. Mm. Um, and so Casey and I, you know, really relished in that moment. And um, um, you know, what's that one saying? Are we best friends now? You know? <laughs> um, so yep. uh, we got we got home and we uh, had some adult beverages and. Uh, <laughs> Measured them out, and then we try to go to sleep at four o'clock. And we had to do the hero shots and do some more pictures because that at night there were there were nothing short of bad. Mm-hmm. And we had to get up at, at daybreak to get the first two hours of the magic light, so that we had to get out bed at seven. And I, I went to bed at four o'clock a.m. Um, and I don't think I slept. Yeah, I, I I may have put the head down, but I really didn't sleep. And so we went on a adrenaline rush for the rest of the day to to get things done. But it's one of those nights that I, that I wish that everybody would get to experience. Um, uh, it's 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 so unique and special. But this one was is at a different level because he took myself and Casey completely out of our comfort zone of what we traditionally do mm-hmm. to harvest a mature buck. Yeah. And we did everything that we would not tell somebody to do. 
we would yeah. say you're crazy. I think I of, would not do that. I'm looking at the list, our show notes, and I see you know four years prior a uh, 202 with Major League, um, and I think of that story where. Yeah. You're at the edge, and then you bump in a little closer, a little and you kind of tweak around, and you get a little yeah. closer, and then finally yeah. you strike. And then I think of uh, extra innings, 239 and change, and I think of uh, that approach where you just slip in. and Great access. Great access. It's that First night traditional in. for you guys. Just slip in to the <clears> slip <throat> into a spot and get out of there with, that, with phenomenal access. And then, of course, the 193 is a strike kind of thing. But then you think of this one, 239. Well, I I won't even say it yet, but um, you think of it as like, wow, okay, take the play playing cards out. We, it's time to strike, and we're gonna have to sacrifice big part of the farm to make this happen. But if this happens and it all comes together, it's totally worth it. Yeah, and and that's you know we 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 talk about this you know Casey and I go back and forth of when you when you should be passive and when you should be aggressive, mm-hmm. and 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 that is a conversation that does not have a right answer. That's something that you have to kind of work through, and I'm lucky enough to have Casey to bounce ideas around, yeah. and sometimes you know uh, we we definitely always come to a better conclusion by two brains are better than one, and. We, we still did not uh, – we, we, we loved the idea of what we needed to do. We were just extremely uncomfortable doing it because we knew the repercussions for the rest of the farm were going to be. But it was either that or we don't hunt them. And yeah. so it, we really weren't really given a choice. Yeah. If we wanted to hunt the guy, this is what we needed to do. And yeah. so um, we were lucky enough that uh, it pound out – it panned out day one afternoon one i'm not so sure how many times we could pull that off getting in and out of there without really wrecking everything up and pushing him away so you knew Um, he was big did you know he was what was the final score green score uh 233 and seven eighths did you know he was 233 and seven eighths big no what did you guys estimate him we we were guessing between two fifteen and and two twenty. Casey kept saying two twenty two. I was between two fifteen and two twenty five is what I kind of settled in at. But when you look at you know trail reconnex trail picks, mass is a very difficult thing to measure yeah. on yeah. trail pictures. Yeah. Um, he had uh, twenty three scorable points, which some of those I didn't even see on trail right. pictures. Um, his uh, his mass was over seven inches on the bases, which you can't see on mm. Reconyx picks. Um, his uh, uh, third main beam was, uh, I believe that was basically 13 inches. I think it was 12 and 7 eighths. Oh, that helps. Yeah, that uh, helps a lot. What were his main yeah. beams? What were those uh, those were, uh, uh, 23 and a half and 20 and a half or mm-hmm. just short of 20 and a half. Wow. So that's, not, you know, some of those giant deer, mm-hmm. I, I think an Big extra innings, he had beams. like 25 plus. I thought, yeah, yeah. yeah. he did. Those, yep. That certainly helps when they go 24 plus, but man, but 23 yeah. points helps a lot too. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny cause like when, when you think about, you know, a non-typical deer and all the abnormal points. When when you're guessing scores, you can, you know, as a typical frame, everyone can picture what that looks like. But when you have points that come off at weird angles and everything, that, like, 
your mind cannot calculate exactly just in a picture what you think that deer's going to score because it's like, well, you could look at one angle and it's like that third main beam is, well, maybe it's only eight inches, but the other one, it looks like it's 14, 15. Oh. You just, it's hard to picture and pull all that stuff together. So how, how old was the deer? Without a shadow of doubt, he's six. Uh, okay. We got trail pictures all the way back from 17, 18, 19, and obviously 2020. Um, uh, but there is a possibility he could be seven. But I have no doubt in my mind he's at least six. So, mm. so here's a question. We do, oh, we do have my wife. My wife found his found his sheds in two th- the spring of 18. Mm. Um, and they're nothing like what he is today. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's the he, question there. Like, and that he grew that third main beam. And, you know, I think you guys can enlighten me more than, than my knowledge can. But when they do a, a a very unique rack like that, typically it's one year and then they go back to normal the following year. So um, our number one goal is when we saw that and he had such a huge third main beam, I'm like, we got to get to this guy the first, you know, 10 days of October before he starts banging things up and potentially, you know, breaking everything. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so when that when that front came through, it was it was clearly you know dumb luck that we got to hunt this guy, and when we tipped him over, he was perfect. There's not mm-hmm. a scratch on his rack. I mean, everything's intact. So that was another bonus for hunting him early. Did, did <laughs> for this sure. deer in any year time frame just absolutely blow up from you know a great deer, great mature deer? um in your area to like this was what year kind of time frame did he really really start getting your attention or it's just just this year going into a six-year-old well if you go back to 2019 pictures and, and if you had the rough score there i i would say he jumped a minimum of 40 inches it may be as much as 60 so <laughs> he jumped from wow. four to five 40 to 60 inches is that correct or from so five to from six. Five to six. Okay. Five to six. Five to six. To six. So to last year not, to this if, year. If, if not six to seven, right? Yeah. Mm. So it's either five to six or six to seven. Do you think that jump that jump sounds like it was way more significant than the jump from four to five? Gotta be. Yeah. Well, yeah. if he if he's six, it was the jump from from five to six, right? Yeah. Which I know he's at least six. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, that jump from five to six. The question is, is he did he jump from six to seven? I think it's five to six. But when you yeah. see a jump like that, I, I could arguably say it's six to seven too. But um, and you guys had, you know, we can we can just for all the listeners, this is just assumptions here. Sure, um, yes. there's no facts to this. But yes. if you look back at 2019 summer. There was a lot of EHE. It was a pretty dry summer, if I remember correctly, for it Iowa. Was. It and was. then if you look at 2020 summer, it was a fairly wet summer, correct? Or at it least was. the it spring. Was. The at spring least while wet. antlers were really yes. pumping. Yes. Then it kind of yes. got a little dry late July, August, I believe, yeah. it was that way. Yep. Wow. Yep. So, you know, who knows? Genetics, age, or, you know, all, the combination of way more food available, way more nutrients and then age and we go say everything everything yeah <laughs> it yeah. all plays out it was the magic the perfect storm yeah without a yeah. doubt yeah 100 was there oh, any man. like weird uh pattern shifts on the farm of this deer from those years or was there a pretty a pretty consistent core area 
um, that this deer, you know, sheds would have been found in, you know, fall ranges. Did it change much? Uh, it did. Where Lisa found, my wife Lisa found his sheds in spring of 18 was, uh, I'm going to estimate, let's call it uh, 100 acres away from where we shot him. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of our trail picks from the summer of 2020, uh, late late June all the way through um, October, we only had them on, on two cameras. Um, we, we, we did flank them with more, um, but he was only bouncing, I'm going to call it a 60 to 85 acre section. Wow, very condensed. Um, and he wasn't anywhere else but there. Matter of fact, what scared us, which we didn't touch base on, is we, we had a picture... Our last picture was August of uh, uh, August 26th, and then he disappeared, and we didn't get another picture of him until September 20th. Oh wow! So call it 25 days. We were like, you know, he's shedding out. He's probably moved on to another farm. We need to find another hit lister and focus our attention on him. And then on the on nine twenty, he shows back up, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So he was probably there the whole time, but he was not moving much. I would suspect because we weren't getting pictures of him. Mm, that's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, I, thought, I thought he had moved on because you know, sure. as you guys know, that as those guys start to shed out, sometimes you lose five percent of your bucks. Sometimes you lose forty or fifty percent of your bucks. They just move change. on. They change. They're they're different animals. No. Um, so that's what we were thinking. And then he showed back up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're back in the game. Mm-hmm. So, and, and really from the 20th or so you're saying till that's about an eight, nine, 10 day window in there. And you guys made a lot of decisions, um, late in the game to go after him. But, you know, I, I know how, I know how you guys hunt. Um, and it is very outside kind of in type hunting situations, but um, knowing that window when he started coming back on cameras to the day you killed him, that's a pretty aggressive move. Um, but well, the, the only it. reason why we, the, the only reason why we did it was because we saw this front, right? right. We're watching the, the the ten ten day forecast, and we live by that. Yep. And you know, we last year, matter of fact, in nineteen fall of nineteen, we killed uh, one seventy five a 194, a 140, and a 166. Uh, three of those with a bow, one was with a gun, all off cold fronts. Yep. And once we saw that coming, I'm like, this will be our best chance to do it because when they drop, you know, 20, 25 degrees off of typical temps, you they're going to be on their no feet. Question. And, oh, by the way, we have a bean field where he stands. Yep. yep. So – if we don't get aggressive now, then when are we? Yes. Yeah. Right on. It's it's that question you and I have talked um, a lot of other things, but it seems like this is a question that, or kind of a statement we say to each other quite a bit. But it, what I'm thinking about doing is stupid, but I think it's stupid to not do it. Yeah. And right. uh, it, you know, it sounds like 
you kind of go, boy, this this if if I were to just throw this out there and not even tell you the weather pattern, tell you our approach and how we're going to do it, you'd say, oh, that's that's kind of too aggressive. That's stupid. But then you look at all the factors all coming the into it. All the circumstances, the like, variables. You know what? I think you're stupid if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh man. So, golly, two thirty three and change, almost two thirty four, and. Golly, you you just you know you look at it four years ago a two hundred two and then a two thirty nine and a one ninety three last year and, and you know th- these are just the the top dogs the, right. the 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 best bucks of the of the bunch for you guys and then of course this year a two thirty three that's three over two hundred in the last three out of four years and a couple that with smashed. a one ninety three yeah and so, a couple of them <laughs> smashed two hundred and uh, you know golly Greg going back to 2010 when we first sat in a tree stand together and you shot a deer that i think was like 160s or 150s somewhere in it, there it was 154 adam 154 154 because he had that broken tine if you remember i remember that. he would he would have went right at 160 161 if it wasn't broke off and i remember how jacked we were when that happened oh my god we hit the lottery that <laughs> sake. yeah the only, the only thing was missing we couldn't get the mexican quick enough that was it <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah the old lucky restaurant up there that's oh, right man golly what a it is so fun just to sit back and talk about how things have changed but i want to talk you know it's one thing to shoot a a 200 inch deer, you know, you hunt Iowa and there's, you know, 200 inch deer is, is a huge accomplishment. Um, there's only a certain amount of people that get to do it every year, but now you've done it three out of four years. Um, and it just kind of, is like, okay, there's, there's a, there's something to this now. It's not just a fluke that happened one time. This is starting. This, this isn't is, just a roll. This of the has dice, been a trend. Right? And, you know, let's talk a little bit about the hunting approach but I'm going to jump in before I do that. You're a successful business guy. And so we're going to use some ter- a term that's kind of thrown out there with business and uh, ROI, re- return on your investment. And you and I have talked about this from your hunting approach, but also the land management approach. And right. it's very much, a, you know, does it make sense? Does it have a good ROI? And, you know, with your hunting approach, if you look back at some of the deer you killed in the past, you hunt Iowa pretty aggressively late October, early November. But you're not really that much of a early October, like when the season opens up. Why is that? Right. Um, well, a lot of it, it has to do with uh, kitchen passes from the family. You know, you try to maximize your, your getaways and put as many factors into success uh to maximize your days and deercast has been a huge asset which is drew outdoors new app if you haven't heard about it um but um we really watch the cold fronts and um it's ever since we've been watching the weather and and doing that and really living by that um it's really done us well and typically that early part of October, yes, they are more paddable, but yes, it's warmer. Um, and um, the reason why we went after them this time was because there was a plus or minus 20, 25 degree temp drop compared to, you know, uh, traditional temperatures. It could have been and, the best cold front for you guys of the whole fall, it sounds like. Oh, uh, 100%. And, and based on the movement we had that night, uh, Mark came over the next morning um, to look at him and 
and you know really glass him over and he, he was like what was the rest of the night like and i said mark i said i i don't ever recall a night like that since i've hunted mm. i mean and oh by the way it happened to be opening day in october 1st yeah and he goes yeah. if deer cast could say great plus 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 he goes that's the recipe that we had on october 1st and wow. and that's what I experienced was it was off the charts. It's like some of those apps send out warnings like tornado <laughs> yeah. warning, tornado. Right. Deercast ought to send one out. It's like the best deer, night, deer, best night of the season. <laughs> Get out there, Get cancel your, your plans now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh. So it, it was the perfect storm, you know. And we're we're lucky enough to be uh, in a position where we can leave work in a, in a very short notice and and mm-hmm. and chase these fronts. So. Um, that's another big bonus, but yeah. typically, no, we do not hunt that early uh, because typically it's really warm. Yeah. You know, it's usually, oh, yeah. heck, it's usually 85, 92, yeah. um, you know, yeah. um, low 80s, mid 80s, pretty typical. So you may have to basically set multiple hunts to make it happen while, you know, yes. this cold front is like, it could yes. all happen in the first night, which it did. Well, which right. is, dark. is just like... You know, late October, uh, late October, first part of November when deer are moving like crazy. If you put the right. time in during that one day, there's a good chance a shooter comes by. Um, that's right. why we well, go with it. If, if you if you turn back the clock on uh, 2018, you know, when we harvested extra innings, we went in on him on our very first sit, which is October 29th, and we shot him on the very first sit. Mm-hmm. And that was... Uh, waiting for the right front, waiting for the right pressure and the right wind to all come together. And that did happen, but it happened on the 26th of October, which was the Saturday of Missouri youth season. And I promised my son I was taking him that weekend, so I couldn't right. take him. Um, and so the next day with that same uh, uh, formula or same uh, circumstances with the pressure and the wind, and and the front happened on the 29th, and so we went in on that, and we harvested them that afternoon. So it's all about staying out until you believe you have as many uh, possible bullet points in your favor, and uh, you know, observe more, hunt less, and kill more has been a mantra that Casey and I have been following for quite some time right and it's working mm. so i love that you know let the cameras do your scouting for you or um if you want to go on a ridge and glass with you know uh binoculars or a spotting scope that's a, a a great way to do it as well but if you get those things figured out and you can go in and strike um based on your intel make sure everything's in your favor the best you can and then go in and yeah. Uh, hopefully it it pans out as much as it has for us. Take the days that you do hunt as hunt the days where it's time to kill, not just uh, yes time to get out there. Yeah, that's, that's right. the you know the business mindset of of your hunting approach that I always enjoy talking to you about is because it's very much a it's almost like one of those things where and of course we're in a different state, but if you and I hunted the same location or the same area, I'd I'd almost text you and be like. You're hunting tonight, right? Okay, me too. I, I know it's a it's a good night to go because we're not hunting the bad days. We're not no. hunting the mediocre days. When we're when That's we're right. hunting, it's time to get it done. I mean, today it's 84 degrees. Yeah, not worth it. Humid right. down here. Yeah, I, I'm right. not hunting tonight. No, yeah. Yeah. no chance. Right. Yeah, 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, let's jump in. You know, uh, with your with your farm uh, or with your farms up there in Iowa that you're you're hunting. Um, we first, you know, met up with you in 2017. A lot yeah. has changed. Yeah. But I always enjoy the conversation going back to the purchase of the farm. You know, let's discuss some of the changes that have occurred. You almost derailed the whole conversation earlier when you mentioned pheasants. And I almost wanted to just say, you know, we're we're hearing the story of a 230-something-inch buck, and you said pheasants, and I almost said, oh, wait, tell me about the pheasants. (laughs) But I didn't, so I'm I'm proud of myself for not doing that. But let's talk about the farm. You know, there's since since we've we've connected and we've put our, our minds together, on this, on these farms, it's, it's completely, completely changed the landscape. And, um, one thing that, uh, hopefully the listeners will get out of this is once I changed my mindset from being a deer hunter to putting the land first and being a land steward is really when the land produced what I wanted it to become. And it took me a long time in my hunting career to put land first and deer hunting second. I was always a deer hunter first. So what's more important, a tree stand, wind direction and access and food plots. And that's all I focused on. Other than that, I really didn't do much. Um, But then when I met you guys, you guys kind of painted a different picture. And we had to really focus on, you know, their ROI because a guy only has so much money and you only have so much time. And you want to achieve as fast as you can. So we really kind of put some bullet point lists together to attack what was most important and what's going to give us the fastest return, the quickest. Um, Because obviously um, every year is important to everybody and you want to maximize every single fall. And so we we put together an amazing plan and we've been very diligent to attack that plan on an annual basis. And without question, without a shadow of a doubt, Um, I don't think it's by luck or by chance that when we met and we started transforming these farms, that all of a sudden this success just happened. I mean, um, to be truthful, the gentleman that I bought it from back in, uh, I got to think about this. I think it's 07. I'm thinking I got to go back. But, you know, he was frustrated with the farm and he said he couldn't really shoot nothing more than below 60s and mid 60s mid 60s he would see a boom once in a blue moon and he wanted to move on to a different farm and he had the opportunity to, to move on to something that he thought was better well it's ironic um that now we're shooting you know the caliber deer that we are um all these years later and the herd is the same the land is the same the only thing we did differently was transform the land it's, and it's which not is, like you like bought a ton of property it is the exact same footprint like it is the exact same boundaries it's just manipulating what is there it's like the same seed bank was there when when he had it he just didn't do anything with it it's like right now the same footprint is doing so much more same ground and the the result or the yield the crop let's say is drastically different too. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, and I think, you know, leaving, having, having quality food sources, uh, year round to allow them 
to stay home and not give them a reason to leave um, has been a huge benefit because I don't think deer really want to leave. I mean, Mm -hmm. deer are very uh, uh, weary of their surroundings. I mean, watch them when they come out to a food plot or exit. I mean, anytime they come to an edge and they need to cross an edge, whatever it may be, they hesitate and they, you know, um, it's like crossing a street. They, they hesitate and before they, they commit. And I don't like being in unfamiliar territory. No, they don't. In in my opinion, I I don't think they do. I I would agree. And so, and so if you, if you don't give them a reason to do that, they, they prefer to stay where they're currently living now, wherever that may be. Um, and through pressure, lack of water, lack of cover, lack of food 365 days a year, you're going to basically tell them they have to go somewhere else. Yeah. And when I became the land steward, which is basically shortly before I met you guys is when my mind shift changed. And then you guys really took it to a different level is you didn't have to convince me because I was already there. And that's when things really changed. And I think that's the part where I hope hopefully your listeners make a note is put put deer hunting aside. I know that's the passion that we're all chasing. I know that's what we all want to do. But make that your secondary or third or fourth bullet point on what you want to do with your property and, and bring forward uh, proper TSI, warm season grasses, food plots, um, all those land management things that are going to increase the holding capacity of your white tail herd, which then will hold them longer, which then will allow them to age and mature. And as they mature and get to that age structure of five, six, and seven, that's when they really prosper in what God gave them um, in their DNA. And unfortunately, most people um, maybe don't take the time to allow them to get to that age or don't take the time to put all the effort and energy into the the farm so that it can give you the ROI back. Man, and, Greg. And, and, and we, are, we are past that curve now because we have the age structure. We just didn't have everything to go with it. Mm-hmm. Now we have everything to go with it. Now it's a pretty amazing recipe. Yeah, that's you, you, very, you just very need to well. pat yourself on the back right there. Yeah. That was that was that Sums was wonderful. Up. That was perfect. That's just like, you know, it, what you said right there was the ROI. And I want to, you know, when you when you think about somebody, you know, typically where you know, I, I think a lot of us have gone. We went through the '90s and 2000s where it was like the new fad, and and I guess I shouldn't say fad, but the thing was like, man, food plots really took off, and it's like you felt like that was a really good return on your investment. You go out, you spend a, a weekend scratching up some dirt, you throw out some seed, and poof, two weeks later you start seeing green, you get to hunt over that fall, and you're like, man, that was awesome. I started seeing more deer there. But changing the actual herd and the actual farm, the the ROI of, of old field management or planting the native grasses, and TSI. what may not seem like the immediate stuff, but – it can be me, especially TSI. You drop a tree, you're going to notice, especially Ooh, you drop a tree yeah. in Iowa and you see that woody browse available and deer hammering right. it. You see it immediately, but it's right. not that pretty green that the food plot happens. And that's where that's when correct. we hit, it was like the, the timing, 2017, where it's like, well, you're thinking <clears throat> land management, that's our approach. Let's think of the deer herd 
not just as as the main factor here, but let's look at the health of the land. Let's let's restore these savannas or let's fix these uh, these woodlots um, and get more food available because you're in Iowa. Late winter is a huge stress period. Let's put as much food as possible during that window of time, and we right. know that it's going to make the window of time when you want to hunt that much better. And uh, you man, know, it, it's funny because it's like you talk about return of investment, and let's kind of go into, uh, I guess, the the timeline that you um, discussed. You know, oh seven or so, you bought the place, hunted for a while, hadn't killed anything, let's say, to that 200 mark, had harvested great deer off of it. Um, but then in 17, like I said, that, that mind shift change, really start getting after real practices that are often thought of as not that quick ROI, but the long-term value, the long-term gains. That was in 17. So there was there was a basically a 10-year period there where not a, not a ton beyond food plots was done on the place. But then from 17 to 20, now we look at the the actual results. Greg, did, did you think that in, in that amount of time, 17 to 20, and by shifting a focus that you would now be yielding the results and the harvest that you had when i think of like these practices again they're often thought of as long-term benefits but this is a really a short-term gain for what you've been able to accomplish in this amount of time yeah it's really quite remarkable you know i would have never if someone would have you know wrote this out on a business plan and said hey if you do this and you know three or four years this is going to be a result of these efforts i would look at you and go I find that hard to buy into this program. I just, that seems unrealistic. <laughs> it's like the best weight um, loss program ever. <laughs> right. You can right. eat cheeseburgers. You don't have to exercise, but you lose 50 pounds yeah. by the end of the month. Sign me up. <laughs> right. Right. But it goes back to, you know, uh, we, 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 we came together at the perfect time, which is my life allowed me to have more mind space uh, to spend mentally more time to figure out these farms and then you guys came along and the timing was you know perfect and so it was i really wanted to you know make this a better place and i knew that if i could put the time and energy into the farm and put bow hunting second or third or fourth on the list um, my experience while in the tree would be increased by a factor of 10 if we took care of the property mm. and it's completely blown my expectations away. I mean, it's, it's unfathomable like, to your point, Adam, I think we were talking before we started recording is, you know, a two thirty nine, a two thirty three. how far, how unrealistic, how far un- unrealistically is it to potentially shoot a two fifty? You would ask me that five years ago. I would have say you and I should go to the bar and have a cocktail because you're crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and now, I think we did discuss that four years ago oh, when yeah. we first started because, you know, pre-show what, what we were talking about was, you know, Iowa has has got this. Everybody knows there's giant deer in Iowa. You could, you right. know, you could buy a farm, buy go buy a 200-acre farm somewhere in Iowa, and there's a pretty good chance um, – through most of the state, you're gonna you're gonna have a good deer at some point over the next couple of years. Um, certainly, if you're from anywhere mountain country or down south, you're gonna say, "Wow, this is the biggest buck I've ever had mm-hmm. the chance to chase." And 
but from a habitat standpoint, Matt and I, when we go through Iowa, we worked all over it. And it's and, like and, and evaluating critically too, because this yeah. was this is not a common thought that we share about Iowa. many portions of Iowa that like habitats generally. Everybody poor. says Iowa's great for deer, and like we get there, and it's like the habitat's not that great. There's giant deer, and the habitat really isn't that great. And so the question for us, we've always said. Okay, how good can we make it? If you get really good habitat in Iowa, are the deer going to get bigger? Are we just going to have more deer? Are we going to have to, of course, harvest does? But are the deer, how how high is the bar? We know on on, on high fence deer that they get a lot bigger than free-ranging deer. So. There's something there, but we're we're talking native vegetation, supplement them with food plots, hitting them with whatever else supplements we can. But o- overall, the base is the native vegetation, woody browse, herbaceous plants year round, and just see what happens. The the bar of wild free ranging deer is increasing yeah. with with success and stories, and exactly the the picture you painted, Greg, of that combination of developing an age structure matched with exceptional habitat and year-round food and cover. You do those things, and whatever your situation is, whatever county you're in, whatever um, state you're in, you can, in my opinion, I think, go ahead and take whatever limit you think you're at and, and certainly increase it. Blow the lid off of it, as we've said, and see really what that landscape and the combination of age structure and quality habitat and food and cover will do for the animals that you're trying to pursue. When you take it down to an individual level, those individuals are having everything they need and want. And and this is, I'm going to qualify this, what you just said, Matt. Um, we Mark came by the house the day after, so it been October 2nd, and we did a Facebook Live thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's on Drury Outdoors' Facebook Live page. You can go back and look it up on October 2nd. It's still up there. Um, or you can go to my Instagram page as well, which is uh, Greg underscore Glessinger at Drury Outdoors. And you'll, you'll see it. There's a post. Um, Mark made a statement that uh, uh, I had harvested the top three out of uh, two, two of the top three deer in 31 years of DOD history. Wow. Um, extra innings is number one at 239. David Lindsay shot, uh, I can't think of the name of it. I Baby should know G. It. Yes, it is. Thank you. Baby G. And he went, I believe, 235 and change. And then um, Triple Play comes in at 223 or 233 and 7 eighths. So, we have two of the top three in 31 years, and ours are shot with bows. Davis was shot with a muzzleloader. Um, so to qualify what you said, Matt, is it is – I don't think it's by chance that what we're doing is by luck when we're breaking a 31-year history in the last mm-hmm. two years. Yep. Um Yep, you know, absolutely. they've had 31 years of history to do it, and we've broken it with the first number one deer in 2018, and now we just picked up third spot in 2020. Yep. So I think the recipe 
uh, has got the right spices and is tasting pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to, to I'll your say point, it, it looks good. <laughs> yeah. To, to your point, you think it's realistically that we could get to a 250? Five or six years ago, I would say no way, no way, no how. Now, uh, I say that's that's a very difficult, uh, I guess, task to get to, or that's that's a lot, but. I would say I would not be surprised if it was to happen because yeah. now what I know and what we've done, we're only talking, you know, two thirty nine, another eleven inches, and we're there. Yeah. Um. So, it's it's not our realm of possibility. It's yeah. going to be a very special animal. He's going to have to get the age, and he's going to have to have some you know crazy DNA, but it's not our realm of possibility. Yeah. So. That's the part that excites me about this, which is what are the limits? I didn't think we could get to this. Now we've got to this and we've done it so, so consistently. It yeah. really is exciting to see what the next three, four or five years are going to be. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and, and uh, this whole conversation is driven around the deer because that's what you're chasing. That's the, that's what a lot of people really key in on. And, and very measurable successes from like yeah. a Boone and Crockett yeah. score. Like For everyone sure. can identify that type of improvement. Um, it's very recognizable. Yeah. Say. And, and what's exciting for me, you go back to the pheasants or even the quail, which we haven't mentioned. Um, and we could even talk about pollinators yeah. and, and, and the yeah. amount of biodiversity now, the biodiversity that's occurring on these farms and, you know, when you look at a, a map of Iowa and you talk about pheasants, you're in an area um, that is just not known to have a, a monster population of pheasants. But on on your particular farms, you got pheasants. And, and this has been kind of an explosion of the pheasant population in just the last couple of years once we really keyed in on old field management, prairie mm-hmm. restoration. Um, I think there was a question I asked you guys last year uh, or two years ago after extra innings. It was like, how's a quail? And you're like, oh, my gosh, there's quail everywhere. We see them driving in and hear yeah. them whistling. Yep. And, and uh, yep. you know, the same thing can be said about the pheasants. Yeah, and, and and the turkey. The turkey population we saw, well, we only hunted the farm one night, and, and the turkey population is through the roof, too. It's wow. between all the birds, um, uh, turkey – Pheasants and quail are at an all-time high compared to four years ago, five years ago. Oh. I mean, four or five, six years ago, for me to see a pheasant, I don't recall seeing one. I just don't. Now we hear them, we see them, and the turkey population is way better than what it was. Mm. That's amazing. So, I just like I, it. Just gets it gets my innards. Working right, like I'm just excited <laughs> Feel to hear it in your all loins. of Yeah, I just I love it. I like it just all around. Like yes, the 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 deer raising the bar, shattering stuff. I mean that is fantastic. But but then to know also, you know the the additional benefits of what's occurring is is impacting very positively these other species, game species that in in many other places really are are quickly downturning quail populations pheasants pheasants turkey even turkeys in a lot yeah, I mean, so i guess the question ooh. is greg you you got your eye of attack punch how long before you and casey grab shotguns chase some pheasants 
<laughs> oh man well shotguns and whitetail hunting is like oil and water it does not go well and you know we've got we've got a couple other mature bucks that um i would love to just give them the rest and see what happens next year and and yeah and see what's going to happen but I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't see Casey and Greg strapping on the uh, the chaps and going kicking briar bushes no. for rabbits. And, <laughs> but they no. went goose hunting, so I thought I'd ask. No, oh, no. Man. I love it. I love we it. We have too much time, and energy, and effort, and sweat equity into this place to go <laughs> wrapping Wisconsin or Winchester shells yeah. through the woodlands. <laughs> oh, oh man, it, it does. It does though. Go back to. I think the, the, some of the way you guys just treat, like when you when you talked about the the prep for this, um, you know, taking the um, the blind in and then brush hogging while you're in there, reducing trips, overall, and, and just let's say the the 365 degree, uh, not degree day activity on the property, it's very it's very low low stress environment, low pressure environment. Um, you match that with that quality habitat great height, great structure of cover, um, well-placed food resources, you're probably going to see an increase of daylight activity from older age class deer. 100%. I mean, prime example, we shot, uh, you know, triple play at 625, and we had roughly 45, 50 minutes of daylight. Mm -hmm. You know? And you saw other mature deer on that same hunt. Yeah, we did. We saw two other mature deer that came out at right at plus or minus six o'clock. Extra wow. innings. Um, and 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 what uh, time did you shoot extra innings? Uh, we saw them for the first time at like uh, four thirty, four forty-five. Right. And then he came back out at like uh, six fifteen or six ten. Wow. And what time did you? I mean, it's four years ago, but. I thought you shot Major League in the morning. We did. Yeah, yep. we shot Major League at 7.35 a.m. Yeah, mm. so daylight walkers. Yeah, I guess 7.35, yep. daylight, I don't remember what time. It was early November, so it was at that least. That was uh, November 9th. Okay, so at least it was not right at, as they call, booner light. You didn't shoot any of these deer in, quote, no. booner light. What's yeah. a, Greg's like, what's Booner like? <laughs> yeah. Sun came out. <laughs> yeah. Sun, sun well, overhead, deer know. walking. Yeah. <laughs> but on the on the on the major league hunt, we pushed that envelope and we got into his bedroom. We were in the we were in the timber. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we were we were knocking on so close that we were gonna push him out. I mean yeah. we were we were we were walking a thin line on that deer. Yeah. Wow. So you've got you've had success with many different approaches now on this farm, from your tr- strategic food plot architecture and getting in and access is great to knowing when the time is right to strike and doing it with a blind and a food source, and then knowing when the time is right to bump in and do it in the hardwoods. It's all about the homework, you know. Uh, you know, our fa- failure to plan is planning to fail, and if if there's one thing I can, you know, hopefully share is do your homework double check everything study everything and if you got a friend a close buddy who you trust that you can bounce ideas off of two minds are better than one mm-hmm. and um you know i i said it when i shot extra innings and i'll say it again you know there's 23 scorable points and 
there's no way, no how I do this by myself. And I'm not a fool to say that because it's not, it's not even possible. I mean, you guys are a big part of it. Your guys' knowledge, your leadership, your guidance, um, and, you know, Casey's help, um, amount of work that he puts in and, and the amount of strategizing. I mean, we're, we're thinking yeah. gear 365 days a year of not how to kill them, but how to make the property better so that when the time is right, it's going to help us basically harvest what we're chasing. And so that has always been the secondary concern. The primary concern is always the land and what we need to do to make it better to make them stay home and give them the potential to have protein 365 days a year and the structure and the food sources so that they can maximize what God gave them. All we got to give them is age structure at that point. And so now we've got it somewhat figured out. I mean, it's constantly changing. We'll never really have it dialed in forever, but we definitely have come a long ways in the last four or five years. That's for sure. I love it. It's a fantastic story. I can't wait to see where it just goes from here too. Cause you know, it's uh, you guys, you guys attack things really, really well. Obviously you got the, you got the proof, right? But um, just, just the communication working together, it's awesome to sit back and um, see it all come together in, in the form of hunts, but just in the form of relationships though, too. Yeah, I'm very lucky to have Casey. Casey is a, is a wealth of knowledge and, um, you know, he, he carries a very heavy backpack of passion, um, mm. when it comes to this category. And, um, we both, um, have an equal drive to make it a better place. What I, and, um, with Casey, yeah. you, you, you said it, you nailed it for what I would sum up Casey. And if I were to just say, you know, describe him, Casey being your, your right hand man and all this and, and his passion for this is just something almost unmatched from a lot of people um, that we meet in, in across the country of, that are chasing whitetail deer. And just as passionate as we are about habitat and going, okay, well, you know, I think Casey and, and you and we talk about, you know, the importance of these plants on the on the on the properties for you know not only just a deer but butterflies you're probably like oh my gosh he's talking about butterflies again whatever but casey is passionate his what i enjoy our most about those conversations is is the overall architecture of laying properties out of going okay what do you think about this food plot design Mm -hmm. this this layout because you know a big square doesn't really work at bottlenecking but what if we did this kidney bean effect or whatever um, is something that, man, I, I got to be honest with you, is some of the best, some of the best uh, thought processes of, of talking to him that I've that I've met. And that, and that comes from you guys observing in the field during the fall, and 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 coming back, and I'm sure you guys are in the blind doing the exact same thing, throwing those ideas at each other. Oh, I tell you what, you know, and like that's non-stop. I'm glad you I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, um, Matt, because. When we sit together, um, we have obviously everybody has the app notes in your phone. Yeah. And when and when we sit, you know, we sit for anywhere for four or five hours a morning sit or four or five hours in the afternoon sit. We we don't we don't waste that time. We watch the deer movement. We see what they're doing. We see how their traffic are, and we're like, you know what? See that one section that used to be a bottleneck. Now they're cutting through the timber there. 
and we're not getting a bottle bottle effect anymore. We need to go down and lay some timber down there and force them back out because mother nature is constantly changing our landscape. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just constantly is. So just because you think you got a good last year, something changes and they, they move or they go down a different trail. Well, then you got to modify that or change it or fix it or put a, lay a tree down or do something to force them where you want them to go. And so we're making notes on every single sit. So we maximize every opportunity, even though we don't harvest something, but we're harvesting information, harvesting information to better ourselves for next year. And then at the end of the year, we compile our notes and then we rack them and stack them based on priority. Obviously some have financial commitments. Some of them don't how much time each project's going to take. And then we um, put them in a pecking order and we attack the ones that are, we believe are going to give us the biggest return in the shortest amount of time to help us maximize deer movement in the, in the format that we want them to move. I love that. That's yeah. perfect. That's why that post postseason recap conversation conference call with these guys is, yeah. is a yeah. little long usually because we're like, okay, let's go over everything. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. So much great stuff here. Um, Greg, I, I just always enjoy hearing how this, hearing about the success you guys are having on the farms um, and basically hard work paying off. I, I can't stress that enough. Hard work getting paid off yeah. because it's just uh, so much that you guys commit to those uh, to those farms to make it all happen and and when it does happen it's just oh it's so awesome to see and i'm so happy and proud of you guys well i appreciate the sort of support guys more than words can can express and you know i i won't change my tune i'll dance to the same song as i've been danced to for the past four years since 2017 there's no way no how i'd be in this position today without the two of you guys because the knowledge that you guys have given us and um, the guidance that you've shown us um, through the guidance, you give us confidence to do what is the right thing to do. And that is something that uh, money can't buy. And, uh, you know, to say thank you is it's probably not, not, not big enough, I guess, because without you guys, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be having this success. Oh, we appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's sure. awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I saw the video of, I guess it was on Drury's page, and and then it panned to the deer, and it panned. Oh, you talking? He's talking about the live video. Yeah, the live video, and then it panned to you, and I didn't even finish watching it. I saw a glimpse of the deer. I was like, I am calling Adam because Greg just connected and shot a giant, <laughs> and we were. I mean, we were pumped talking on the phone. I was like, Go to the page right now. He just connected, and it, I mean, it was such a win. Well, we, it was just, it was like, it was, we were pumped up. Yeah. To say the least. Because it, it's, it was awesome. it's finally, it's like one of those things that like, for us being in the habitat field, uh, land management field, it's like, I want to take a, you know, if you're in housing, you're like, man, how much can I get for a house that I, whatever, I, I restore or uh, I remodel. For us, it's like, how can we take a spot where somebody believes is already as good as it's going to get and say, well, guys, it's really not that great, but we can make it so much better. And for you, it's, it's that case where it's like, it's, it's already great, but let's see how much greater we can make it in a neighborhood that's already known for being great. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I hope that that is being proven now over the last four years. I mean, it's a 
pretty good little stretch. And now, at the end of this po- podcast, we should all go knock on wood, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, at the end, I, I said this when we shot uh, Extra Innings in 2017. I said, you know, we should just slow down and enjoy this because this is never going to happen again. Mm. And then, you know, obviously we did uh, in 2018, we shot Extra Innings. We went uh, 239. Then I really said, Casey... You know, we should sit down and really enjoy this. <laughs> and we didn't sleep much that night because it's never going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. Live and, it and up. And so Casey, Casey said to me that night, he goes, so is this not going to happen again? Or should we stay <laughs> up all night or what? Um, so it's it's becoming a broken record, but is it? it's an amazing song that is a broken record. So it's been a, it's been a fun run. I don't know how long it's going to last, but, you know, uh, the last uh, four years have been nothing short of amazing. Oh, man. That's awesome. Well, we certainly appreciate your yeah. time and, and the story and um, your devotion to land and sharing that with everyone who's listening. So certainly appreciate it. Before you go, once again, sh- uh, how can they find you on social media? Well, uh, if you want to go see The Hunt, um, it's it's live on DeerCast. That's a Jury Outdoors app that you can go on download from the app store uh it's called deercast and then go through the journal um or deercast now and you can see the pics and i think it's like a four minute highlighted reel of the hunt Mm. um and then the full hunt will actually air um next fall starting in july Uh, we actually are getting moved from the critical mass cast to matthew's new show called matthew's bow madness which is going to start airing the first week of July of 2021. Nice. So this will be one of their featured, uh, obviously shows, uh, on that 13 episodes. So that'll be fun to kind of see how that's all coming together. And then social media wise, um, I don't do much in Facebook or anywhere else, but I, I'm very uh, active on Instagram. So if you, want to follow me there or throw me some dms i'll be happy to engage the best i can and give you some advice um with what i have and that's uh greg g-r-e-g underscore glessinger which is g-l-e-s-i-n-g-e-r at jury outdoors um and you can uh, reach out to me there if you like and i'll do my best to uh follow up with any dm questions and um i was once um you know, just a guy trying to figure out how to deer hunt. And they threw me a camera guy that I didn't know that I met in a parking lot called Adam Keith. And now <laughs> here I am. So, you know, um, I, I definitely feel obligated to pay it forward. And I love doing it because I wish somebody would have done it for me. Um, so I'll be happy to help any way I can because Adam and Keith has helped me reach my goals and objectives and, um, they're wonderful people and I'd like to continue what they're doing and help them. And if I can help anybody else, I reach out to me on Instagram and I'll do my best to respond. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to see what the rest of the season holds for you guys. Where are you up? Uh, where are you going to next? Uh, we're going to watch the cold front, which will probably hit, you know, that 22nd to 26th of October. And we're going to head to, uh, Missouri, um, we're going to hit that really hard. Casey's got tags and I've got tags and we're going to 
bow hunt that real hard. And then we've got a, a deer in Illinois that uh, has popped up that we may, depending on uh, the weather and the wind directions, we may bump over there. Um, and then uh, we will come back to Wisconsin and do some late season, late December and January. Uh, we've got some uh, nice bucks coming up on camera now um, that hopefully they stick around for that late season opportunity. Awesome. Sweet, sweet. Well, we can't wait to follow along on Instagram and through text and see how it all unfolds for you guys. Greg, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on oh. here. Well, thank you guys. And um, it's always a pleasure, man. Let's do this again. We don't have to wait, you know, seven months to do it. Well, <laughs> I want to jump back on in yeah. a week or two to talk all about, because you're the most hardcore decoying guy that I know. And yes. I want to talk decoy strategies let's do it case <laughs> casey said he did the first time i took casey decoy he goes we're gonna do what <laughs> go, we're taking it we're gonna take a decoy he goes we're gonna decoy deer and i go yes we are i can and imagine this conversation i can hear him saying it right there greg oh we're yeah decoy oh deer. yeah and and you know you know how he has that stern funny yes. uh look in his face that yes. he doesn't realize he does um and now I'll, we'll be sitting around a group of guys, whatever, and then he's he's you know talking about decoy, and he's 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 bought he's all in. He's like you 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 got to see this. You if you haven't seen this, well you, you're 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 flat out missing out. You, you got to do this. <laughs> That's that is, perfect. That is definitely Casey. Yeah. So oh, it's, love it. That'd be great uh, I've, podcast. I've, I've converted many guys who were camera guys over the years to now decoy. Um, there's, it's, it's an amazing tactic at the right time of the year. And when it comes together, it is absolutely a flat out blast to watch. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to do it. Let's do it. Perfect. Greg, thanks again for coming on. Um, and man, good luck the rest of the fall. Be safe. Yep. Hey, Take care. You luck too, guys. Pleasure. Appreciate it. Yep.